0: Open up your Bibles to Luke 10. We're going to talk this morning about how to dine right. Um, Luke 10 is a very fascinating set of scripture that, as we read it, I believe will give some answers to us. There are some really incredible things here. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the 10th chapter... And we're going to read this story. Many of you may be familiar with it, but I believe there are stories that have answers for us today. Luke 10, 38, it says, Now it happened, as they went, now this is Jesus and the disciples, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now there's a little phrase there that stands out to me that I think is pretty important. Notice we'll read it again, and this isn't in my notes, but I think it's important for you to hear this. Now it happened as they went that he entered, notice this, a certain village and a certain woman. Why would he put that there and put a certain village and a certain woman? Because they're real. You know, there are some people who uh, believe that certain things in the Bible, they're, I believe, false cult groups that don't believe in hell. And they'll say things like, well, you know that story in Luke 16, we're right there, the 19th verse, where it talks about a rich man dying and going to hell? They say, well, it's a parable. It's really not a true story. But it's interesting, it starts off like this. There was a certain rich man. Not a parable. So when he's talking about certain people, certain events... He's talking about literal places and things that occurred. And so back here in Luke 10, and for those of you who have run into some of those people who may knock on your door, and they'll say, well, I don't believe in this about hell. uh, And they'll tell you, well, that right there is a parable. No, when Jesus ever taught a parable, he said, learn the parable. You with me? And there he called it a certain person. Now notice this back here. To these certain village, and a certain woman named Martha, who if you read the Bible in the New Testament, you can become familiar with her, who welcomed him into her house. Notice who welcomed. Martha welcomed. Come on in, Jesus. Notice it was Martha. Now there's two of them here. Notice this. And she had a sister called Mary. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word or heard what he was teaching. Verse 40 of the 10th chapter of Luke says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. You could say she was just real busy. Just so busy with her life. And uh, she approached him, meaning Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care? That's not a good way to pray. (laughs) Don't ever pray that to the Lord. Don't go, God, don't you care about these people? You know I care about them. Are you serious? Jesus died for them, and then for you to go, do you care as much as I do? If you cared like I did, you would do this. You're totally missing it. Because he died and paid for whatever they need. And notice this. She said, Lord, do you not care? That my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her, help me. Wow. Pray to the Lord. Tell them to do something you want them to do. That's an interesting type of prayer. Lord, you tell them to do this. Maybe the Lord did not want them to do that. Are you with me? Thank you for your excitement. But Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Who's Martha, the one who invited Jesus into the house? You are worried and troubled about many things. In other words, Jesus got down to it and said, this is why you're acting the way you're acting, is you're worried and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Isn't that interesting? You got lots of troubles, but there's just one thing that is needed. And Mary has chosen. Notice it was a choice. The good part, which will not be taken away from her, or you could say it like this, I'm not answering your prayer. What was her prayer? Make her get up and help me and leave the word of God. It's interesting that this is the person who invited him into her house. But she's too busy for the one she invited in. How many people invite Jesus into their heart. And then they live a life that's too busy for him. That went over real well. And it's interesting that when she got too busy to hear Jesus and look to Jesus herself and got so full of worry, she started trying to pull her family and others to go with her and do this thing. I'm going to read this from a different translation or Bible. The message says, as they continued... Their travel. Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen, or you could say in life. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. interrupting them. That wasn't quite the sound of a rushing mighty wind, but it was a little bit of wind. She jumps in there and interrupts the Lord Jesus and all those who are hearing. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her, lend me a hand. The master Said Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much. To me, any fussing is too much. But anyway, and he said, and getting yourself worked up over nothing, one thing only is essential. What is essential in life? What is essential? When it really comes down to it. Job said concerning the word of God. He said he liked it and loved it. And craved it more than his daily portion of food. I mean that fits this whole thing right here. Here Jesus was going to be affected. She's preparing the meal for all of them. And you don't care. But she chose right. Over the years, I've found that people can get real busy with life and not choose the right thing. And one thing that she chose was the right thing, the word. It goes on to say, Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. What is the main course of life to a believer And it says this main course won't be taken from her. She had priorities right in her life. And I will say this, if there's anybody who knows priorities and what's appropriate, it's Jesus. If you are going to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have to make time. Meaning you could have invited him into your house or into your life. And it doesn't mean he left, but you have to prioritize things. She didn't prioritize, the sister did. And then the things that drew her away, she tried to use to draw her sister away. Isn't that interesting that this was real then like it is today? I've heard lots of people say, well, I'm too busy. To do all this stuff. Well if you're not looking into the word. And having a personal time. Because I am convinced by the scripture. Everybody that has a relationship with God. Needs to have a personal relationship with the word of God. Where you get into the word of God yourself. And you open up the book. And you search the scriptures. Not as a rule like oh yeah, i got to pray an hour, i got to read an hour, i got to do this for an hour. No, where you get into the book and you start reading it and God is able to deal with you out of the book. You with me? That's important for everybody. And Jesus said, out of all the things going on, she picked the one thing that was necessary. And what was happening, do you think, when she was sitting there? Meaning one's in the kitchen, one's in front of Jesus, hanging on every word that comes. Do you think that those words that were coming were dealing with her? Maybe not all of them were maybe applicable to her right then, but they were all necessary. And I guarantee you, just like us, when we hear the word of God taught, we may get fed by all of it, but there's parts that stand out and deal with you. Anybody ever had that? And you're like, oh, yeah, right there. That I know I need to do that. This is what I need to do. And I guarantee you that was occurring then. If you don't choose what's right, you miss out on an opportunity. You miss out on a deep relationship with God or a deeper walk with God. Some of the answers that you need in life are appointed to your personal time with the Lord. I mean, I believe they're appointed for your time here, too. But you cannot substitute certain things. In other words, you can't just overly drink water and go, I'm not going to eat food. Eventually, you're going to have to eat food. So, in other words, you can't just say, well, I pray all the time. Doesn't matter. He didn't say one thing that's needed is prayer, and she picked it. No, everything stems from the Word of God. Everything stems From the word of God. Notice this. Right here in verse 41. Jesus. Answered and said to her. Martha Martha. You are worried. Martha Martha. You are worried. Martha Martha. You are worried. Isn't it interesting? She just thought she was getting the raw end of a stick. But what was she doing that made her worried and troubled? She was focusing on the wrong thing. Worry is this. And you can write this down, but it's true. When Jesus talked about seeking him first and prospering in this world and in this life, in Matthew 6, he said, don't worry taking thought Sane. What does that mean? When the bad thought comes, you take it as your own, and you begin to mutter it out of your mouth. What am I going to do? Worry is this then, when it talks about taking a thought. Worry is accepting defeat by keeping a picture in your mind of wrong. Let me say that again. Worry is accepting defeat by keeping a picture in your mind of what is wrong. So if I pray and say, Lord, I need you to do this, but all I do is picture failure in my mind, and that it's not changing, it's not working, I'm actually worrying. And worrying is accepting mental images of failure and believing in them. How am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do? If I ponder the image of the negative, I'm accepting or believing in defeat. That went over pretty good. Notice, Martha, Martha, you are worried. We need to be careful what we entertain in our minds. She got so busy. Have you ever been real busy? And nobody's helping you? You ever start pondering? I can't believe they're over there doing this stuff. And I'm over here working real hard. And I'm the one cleaning the whole house. And I'm not their maid. They think I'm their servant. Nobody's ever done that? Nobody's ever had that thought? I'll tell you what. uh, You know what you're doing? You're worrying. You're taking mental images into your head of things you should not but you can start worrying about all kinds of things because he didn't just say you're worried about this. He said you're worried and troubled about many things. I mean, how many people, when they start imagining stuff like that, uh, they're leaving me here in the kitchen. Don't they know I've got this to do? Don't they know I've been working all day long? Don't they know I'm the one that does this when this happens? And you start imagining stuff I guarantee you she didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, let me just tell you something. I'm so full of peace and joy right now, I can hardly stand it. But I could use some help in the kitchen. Now, the reason she said, don't you care, is she is worrying, thinking, he doesn't even care about me. That's why it came out of her mouth. Not that she maybe even really believed in it totally at first, but she's probably thinking they're all in there with Jesus. I'm in here by myself and he doesn't even care. Jesus doesn't even care. Man. You're not saying it if you're not thinking about it. Thank you. Notice this. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She got distracted. Her attention was moved to the wrong thing, and she approached him saying, Lord, do you not care? The reason people think the Lord doesn't care is they're not thinking about his great concern for them. Turn to uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6 And it's real interesting because Jesus has taught them different things before this occurred. These types of things right here. Matthew 6, verse... We'll start in verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow... Neither do they toil or spin. In other words, they don't put a lot of pressure like, oh, I got to make this work. They just grow. And he said, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory who was totally wealthy was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field and Solomon... Which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. I mean, he made it beautiful even though it only lives for a short time. Isn't it interesting here when we have those blooms or super blooms. You can go out and the hills are orange or yellow. And we think, wow. And two weeks later they're gone. God made that. It said, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Why was it that they had little faith about this caring God. Where did they come to worry? Where did they come to not think God is good? Notice. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field. Verse 30. Which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you. O you of little faith. Or why aren't you trusting Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows and he cares, and if he took care of them, maybe we ought to change our thinking instead of worrying by focusing And imagining images of failure. It's all worry is. And the enemy will accommodate you. He'll put thoughts in your mind that didn't even originate with you. And you have a choice to accept it. Picture it. Dwell on it. Or set your mind on God and the answer. Because he does care. Notice. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice, put the right thing first, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. In other words, he said, look, don't just keep focusing out in the future of all the problems of what's going to happen You know, you can get overwhelmed when you look at what's happening in the earth and the things that are going on. No wonder the Lord said, when you see these things start to come to pass at the end of time, where you start seeing these wars and the turmoil in the Middle East and and all the different things that the Bible tells us are signs of the end time. The Bible, we don't hate homosexuals. We don't hate drunks. We don't... We don't hate drug addicts, but the Bible said you'll see that stuff just swing hard up right before the end. It will go to a pinnacle where people will call wrong right and right wrong. But I guarantee you this, God's power will be seen too in a phenomenal way and destroy a bunch of that. But at the same time, it will affect people if you keep focusing on it. It will fill you with worry and fear. That's why you've got to be careful to choose the right thing. Say, what do you mean choose the right thing? Don't feed on everything. By just sitting in front of the TV or... I mean, and I'm not saying you can't watch TV, but you've got to choose what's right. You know, it's just the same to go sit in the kitchen... And fill your head with stuff. And say I'm too busy to take some time to get into the word. To let God start dealing with me. It's just the same to go okay I'm just going to sit in front of the TV. Or whatever it is. For hours on end. And then wonder why I worry about everything I face. Thank you for your excitement. Notice this. We need a personal relationship with the Word. Jesus is called the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, but also He is the Word. And so we need to take time to open the book ourselves and read. And look into the book. You say, well, I don't understand it. Start reading. Start praying. Don't try to figure it all out. But I guarantee you this. God will start dealing with you out of the book. Because he has ordained that your relationship with him be founded from right here. In these pages. No wonder there's such a fight against the book today. Why? It will ruin, get the book out of people, get God out of their life. Get the book out, then we can get people thinking on all these different things, and they can do it their own way, and they'll get off base. Thank God God's word is good, and it's going to be good till the day Jesus comes back. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Turn to Acts, the 17th chapter. Acts 17. I need, you need, a relationship with the word. Now, you can't read the Bible all the time, but I promise you this, when you do have to be in the kitchen, you do need to choose what you're thinking on. You can't sit there and ponder and think, God doesn't care about me. God's not watching out for me. Does he really care about me? If he cared about me, why am I alone? If he cared about me, why don't I have friends? If he cared about me, why don't I have this? If you think like that, and then a friend comes that God tries to get to you, you may mess the thing up. Why? Because just like what came blurting out of her mouth, may come blurting out of your mouth if you're thinking, God doesn't even care. He doesn't even care. I need friends. I need friends. I need friends. And then somebody comes, and you attack them like a squirrel with a nut. I mean, you're all over them. And they're like, whoa, I just wanted to see who you were, you know. But the whole thing is, you've entertained this so much, That when somebody comes, you're like, I didn't think God would ever give me somebody. And you're already making them your best friend for 40 years. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You just sucked all the oxygen out of the air for them. And I'm not trying to be mean. Why do these things come out? Because we focus on them. And so we should focus on God's care and go, God, I'm not alone because you're with me. Therefore, when I get a friend, I'm not going to depend on them to make up something you're to give me. People go get a spouse so that certain things will be made up. And I think having a spouse, great. But they can't make up what God can do. Thank you. Acts 17. But the word has a place in it In our lives, or should, that will do something to us to give us faith, give us peace, literally satisfaction and help us grow. It'll help us to be dealt with by God. You with me? There's people who want to hear from God, but then they'll pray and say, speak to me, but they don't read the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to bang you if you haven't read the Bible. Well, I can't believe you haven't read the Bible. I'm just saying, hey, you want to go further? You want to change certain things in your life? Jesus was giving her the answer to change. You say, yeah, but I just thought if I'd just pray, God would fix it all himself. Boy, wouldn't that have been nice? If it was all up to God... Adam and Eve would have never done what they did. If it was all up to God, Judas wouldn't have done what he did. If it was all up to God, none of us would have done a bunch of the stuff we've done. He still loves us, but there is a personal responsibility. If I want to know and grow with God in reality and know things beyond what the rest of the world knows and can know, meaning where they're at, I'm going to have to get into the book. I'm going to have to read it for myself. Acts 17, 11. Notice this. It says, well, we'll read verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, some of you may have heard that name before. Christian bookstores. Some of them are named Berea or Berean Christian bookstore. But notice this, it says, and you'll see why here in a minute. When they arrived here in Berea, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, that was their custom. They'd go there because that's where people would go to read the scriptures. And what they would do is go preach Jesus to these Jews because they're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the Savior of the world. Paul, Silas, and these ones, like us, know who he is. So they go to present him through the scriptures. Notice the reason or the way that people came to know Jesus was not through our talent, but just through presenting the word. And notice this. They went into the synagogue, and it says these, the ones at Berea, were more fair-minded, other translations say noble, than those in Thessalonica. Isn't it interesting to me, that he names another location and said, these were better than those. These were more noble than these people. You know what's interesting? There was a group of Christians in Thessalonica that heard Paul preach and heard him preach again. And he wrote two letters to them. And he wrote to them. And how would you like to be like... What if it read like this? Verse 11. These were more fair-minded than the ones at Christ of the Nations Church. Because they read this in the different churches. Or I would rather it read like this. And then they went by night instead of Berea to Christ of the Nations Church... And when they arrived, they went into their sanctuary, and these at Christ of the Nations church were more fair-minded and noble-minded than the Thessalonians. I would rather have it that way. But isn't it interesting that he said, not all people and not all places are equivalent. I don't know, isn't that what what it said, and what made the difference between one group and another. And I mean, we're not talking about you know, everybody in Thessalonica was horrible or something, but here's why they were more noble and more noble-minded and fair-minded. In that they received the word with all readiness. They received the word with all readiness, when they heard it, they were ready to receive. They wanted to know the truth. They looked at the word of God. They, they, when they heard it, they were sitting in the synagogue, and they're like, tell us. What I find to be interesting is that uh, here's what he wrote to the Thessalonians. In the second chapter of the 13th verse. And then I'm going to go right back to where we were. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God. Which you heard from us. You welcomed it. Not as the word of men, But as it is in truth. The word of God. Which also effectively works in you. Who believe it or accept it? So there were people at Thessalonica who were receiving the Word of God. Not all of them were opposed, but there's an interesting thought about what made these people more noble minded. Notice verse 11 again. These were more fair minded, other translations read noble minded, than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with readiness and they just didn't come like a bird in a nest when mommy comes home. You know, give me worms, whatever it is, you know. I saw a thing on Emperor Penguins, it was just like a five minute video clip. How that they can go out into the ocean, you know, and they collect fish. And then they change their body temperature so their bellies are cold so the fish that gets dissolved and it's going to get real gross doesn't spoil in their stomach and they'll come back and these babies are sitting in this huge colony and then they start squawking and the baby knows the parent and they go right up to it and they open up their mouth and they barf it and they show it and I was like, oh, right in there and then The parent turns around and heads back out. That baby didn't question where this was, what this was from. Is this okay? Open up. There we come. There it is. See you in two more months. go, Go get more, whatever that is you just gave me. But what made these people more... Noble than the others who received the word. Notice, they received it with all readiness and searched the scriptures when they were not too busy. Right? Isn't that what it says? No. This is why we tell you read the Bible or borrow one of ours right here. Because it says they searched the scriptures daily To find out whether these things were so. Sunday morning should not be the only time we look in the book. Do you trust me that much? (laughs) You little penguin, you. (laughs) Do you trust all ministers that much? You little penguins. I mean, I want you to trust what I say, but I want you to go look in the book for yourself. I, I saw somebody put, had this clip, and there was like four, five or 500,000 people that had liked this clip. And this guy was a preacher who was bashing people that said, God has answers to bring people out so you don't have to live in worry, and you don't have to live in fear. And he just went through this list and said, this is wrong. I thought there's hundreds of thousands of people watching this. And here I am talking about worry's not right. Because worry is just using your imagination for something that's not of God. Jesus taught against it, Peter taught against it. Paul taught against it. You go through the Bible, there are answers for overcoming worry, and it has to do with what are you going to focus on. Mental images are going to come to all of us. Pictures are going to come to all of us. And if you just focus on those, it's going to suck the joy and the life of God right out of you. And we are told this concerning the kingdom of God and the life we live in Romans 14, I believe it's verse 15 or 17, it says, The kingdom of God is not just about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy by or in the Holy Spirit. So our life and our relationship should have some peace, should have some joy, should have a recognition of our good standing with God. And it's all by the work of the Spirit. But if I am focusing constantly On the problem, I'm going to be full of worry. It's going to suppress peace. It's going to suppress joy because all I'm doing is putting this image in front of me. And I thought to myself, I wish people would have proved what that guy said on TV. But instead, they're like that baby penguin and they just take it because, man, this guy's got all these views. I thought, who's going to watch that and get confused? I remember one time this, I've had two stories or lots of them, but two I'm thinking of. One, we had a young man who came here, was on fire for God. He still loves the Lord. He moved away. He's, he's in the military right now, which probably tells most of you who he is. And no, and, uh, but he'd be okay with this. He was zealous, wanted to tell everybody about everything. I remember him wanting to get this one person filled with the Spirit. You know, they need to speak in tongues. You know, come, can we pray together? So we did. And then he had this uncle who was totally opposed to speaking in tongues and all this. And I said, you probably ought to stay clear of him until you get grounded in the word. Now, when I meant stay clear, that didn't mean I was telling him, don't go over to his house. Don't talk to, you know, don't do it. You know, Thanksgiving, no, Christmas, no, can't do it. I got to stay home by myself. You say something like that and people may hear it wrong. So you've got to say more. I just said, you know, it'd be good for you to avoid that not talk about it. Well, he decided he was going to have it in with him. And he started having it in with him. And he came back and he said, I don't even know if speaking in tongues is for me. I don't know if it's whatever. And he just went on. And I said, well, let's look at the scripture. We went after scripture, after scripture, after scripture. I said, now, here's the scripture he used to, do, to uh, tell you it wasn't right. And he said, how do you know? I said, it's the only one people ever use. First Corinthians 13. Tongues will cease. But I tell people, you got to be honest with the Scripture. It says knowledge will cease there. I said, has that ended? Well, no. Then why did the other end? Then I said... Do you ever read this promise? He said, it's to you, your children, and many be afar off. As many as the Lord our God should call. And we just went through all the scriptures. I'm ready to go back. That's not the point here. The point is that other guy, I would rather sit down with him. Because I know the scripture. But the whole thing is, somewhere somebody fed him something. And right here he said these were more noble because they search the scripture daily. They were checking it out to find out whether these things were so. So. Were they right? Here's the big thing that will happen to you. I remember this. I got saved and or rededicated my life in 1985. I was so on fire for God. Not like the fire's gone out. But uh, I don't do this anymore. I would go to the Mormon church every Sunday after church. I'm not recommending you do this. I didn't go into the service. I was like a lion in the parking lot, but more like a kitten. And I thought, I so knew the truth, and I had come to the reality of who God is. And so I'd sit in the parking lot and wait for him to come out, and I'd just catch one and start talking to him. (laughs) I remember I got confused. I said, you know, I've been born again. Have you been born again? And he's like, yep. I went, oh, where's the window thingy? I got to get out of here. And here I am, ready to do a burnout. And uh, I'm so glad I went home and searched the scriptures and found out what they meant. They meant they had been born in heaven and that they had been born into the earth. And then I was ready, so I went back. (laughs) Searched the scriptures get somebody else. You've been born again? Yeah. Well, the Bible said this, and then I'm like, ready for the next thing, and then they say this, and I'm like, oh! You know, there's probably burnout marks out in that parking lot, just to say, no, I didn't literally burn out, but I was like, oh! But I would have to go home and search the Scripture, and I realized there were definitions and different things, and I'm not trying to hate on people, but I am saying there is a principle of searching the Scriptures to see whether they're so or not. It helped me to not get all messed up. Somebody said, well, you're messed up. Well, it's helped me to not get more messed up. But to me, I think in the day and age we live, if we know there's a warning that deception is going to be awry at the end of the age before the Lord comes back and we're going to see a bride of Christ that's going to be without spot and wrinkle and is going to be a certain way when he returns because it says his bride will make herself ready people will start making adjustments because i think what will happen is when we start seeing the signs and they become extremely predominant people are going to go you know what that have maybe sat in church and were off on their own are going to start going you know what yeah, this is starting to look like what I read when I was in Sunday school. This is what I heard my neighbors talk about. And, and uh, you know, he, I, I, he's coming. You know when 9-11 happened? You know how long ago that was now? Three weeks. No, a long time. I mean, we're closer to 20 years than 15. Isn't that wild? But I had friends... I wasn't pastoring, I was a youth pastor then, but I remember these people say, my church tripled or doubled in a day. I knew this one guest speaker, he said I was at this one guy's church, he had been there numerous times, he said people were standing all the way around the back. There was no room in there. Two weeks later, it was back to normal. That's okay, but when people see stuff and they can prove, you know, the Bible talks about how that everyone who has this hope in him, in other words, of his return, will start purifying himself. But my thought is, is we need to be people who start doing it now and have a personal relationship with his word, where we study for ourselves. We shouldn't live in worry and fretting and fear today when we've got the answer in our hands. Let's turn to Job and we're gonna close here. But remember this. Actually we won't we won't go there. We'll be okay. You can read it when you get home, Job twenty three, twelve. But we should be like the Bereans. And be more noble and search to make sure what's in there. Here's what will happen to you as you search. The truth you hear as it lines up with scripture will get more in you. It will help you. It will get it planted in you. It will water what you learn. It will help you as a believer to grow. And I promise you this. Things that I said That maybe weren't quickened to you. God will take them and make them alive to you. In your own time. So it's super important. As a believer. What we're looking at.